And uh, this is actually not part of this. This is extra. This is like a bonus, man, it is, uh, is this doctrine of salvation. And um, there's people that believe that you're saved by saying a prayer, and you're not saved by saying a prayer, okay? You're saved in a belief. And it's in 1 Corinthians 15, for I de- verse 3, it says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. So what did that just tell us? That Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, right? And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scripture. And then, of course, it goes on to say that he was seen of Cephas. And the rest of that chapter is all talking about the belief in the resurrection. So you're saved by a belief in the death, burial, and resurrection that the Lord Jesus Christ paid that price to cover your and my sins, okay, by his shed blood. And it's the only way to salvation. So a lot of times in our day and age, one or more of those aspects are being um, done away with. They're not talking about sin or they won't mention the resurrection. It is the death, burial, and resurrection that you've put your trust in, that you've called. Now, does it lead to a prayer? Yes, it motivates to a prayer. You called on the name of the Lord. You, you, you asked him to forgive your, your, your sin. You, you've accepted him as your savior, but never think it's just reciting some words in a prayer. It, it's not that at all. It's a belief system by faith in, in what the scripture has to tell us. Were any of you there a few thousand years ago? No, you weren't, right? You weren't there, even though some of us look like we've been around for a few thousand years. Uh, we're starting to mummify, and, uh, and so we're there. But I'm going to talk to you about doctrine. So we're going to look at a lot of scripture. I'm not going to try to get to uh, kind of you're hiding from me. That's my wife back there. And if I go right here, I can't see her. And, and so... Every now and then I, I look at her and, and she gives me, you know, I can tell by her expression if I've lost her, right? And uh, she's my sounding board a little bit. So don't think, yeah, don't think that I'm hiding, okay? Or you're hiding from me uh, a little bit. If you would, turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then that John chapter 14 in verse 17 John 14, 15, and 16 are some of my favorite verses, and I challenge, I've actually said this to you several years ago, uh, to this church here. If you study that, it'll be, it'll be a revelation to you. If you, if you study that, these three chapters, you're going to see all that God has done for you. And I tell you to um, specifically pay attention to the pronouns, and it's a uh, a lot of, I've, I've encouraged churches all over the, Canada and the United States to do that. And so far, nobody's run up to me and said, oh, man, I studied it, and it was great revealing. So hopefully somebody has. But I would really pay attention to it. How many of you like to outline? Have you ever done outlining? Take those three chapters and outline them and pay attention to the pronouns, Okay. Because you'll, know, you'll understand that you have the fullness of God. And uh, that's a, a real blessing. In John 14, 15, uh, and verse, John 14, verse 17, I'm sorry. 
He's telling us about the comforter, and he says, even the spirit of what? Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be, what? In you. Speaking of the Holy Spirit of God, upon salvation, you're going to be indwelt with the spirit of truth, okay? In John 15, 26, 15 and verse 26, but the comforter, but when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the spirit of what? Truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And that's one of the things I like to make mention of, even though it's a, uh, a note. The fullness of the spirit always exempt or uh, always builds, always magnifies the Lord Jesus Christ. The Spirit doesn't speak of himself or uh, uh, magnify himself in the setting. He always magnifies the Lord Jesus Christ because it is through Christ is the only way of salvation. In John 16, 13, as we go there, it says, How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you in all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Of course, speaking to them there, a very big encouragement. So there's the spirit of truth, right, that is indwelt in us, that is of in the world, is the convictor, uh, convicts the world of sin, convinces man of sin. And so then we have 1 John 4, same author, but all, all at the end there, of getting towards the end of... Uh, First John, and whoop, that's Peter. First John chapter 4 and verses 4 through 6. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God, he that knoweth God heareth us, he that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come through the scripture, as we meditate upon it, as we speak of it, I pray, Father, that you would be glorified, you would be magnified, but also, Lord, that our saints would know, your saints, I should say, Lord, that they is a spirit of truth, and there is a spirit of error. And I pray, Father, Lord, that we being indwelt by you would walk in truth. So bless us now as we go through this doctrine as teaching, and I pray, Father, that you would be magnified and glorified. Amen. I hope that you love the Lord today. I hope that you're glad that you're a child of God. I hope that you really are... A excited about being saved. How many of you know that you're saved? You know, you got it figured, got it, got it down, right? You're saved. It's a good thing, you know, to be saved. And it's a, a great thing to live for the Lord, and I hope that you are. But there is a spirit of truth, and there is a spirit of error out there, and you have to be very careful. You have to be very careful what you're listening to, what directs your ways, what the ways of thinking. Now, it mentions in a scripture I've already used that they, it talks about the world, right? 
Now, we're not talking about just the earth itself here. We're talking about the ways, the teachings, the, the priorities of the things of the world are, are very distracting. And so when I talk about doctrines, I'm talking about the doctrine that is sealed, that is preserved, that is precious, the word of God that we have before us. And in that word of God, we have to take it as, as that. Because, because it's there, because it's voiced by God, the Father, because it was reiterated by God, the, whole, the, the, I mean, the Lord Jesus Christ, and preserved by the God, the Spirit, through people that he used for those decades, we have to understand that we're dealing with the word of God. It is truth. It is not only the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ truth personified, but the word of God is truth. And so the spirit of truth is here, and it's laid out right here in this book. You have to be, people, young, young and old alike, you have to be very careful what you're reading. And you have to be very careful on the, the teachings of men and only follow after that as they follow the scripture. I, I've, I've read a lot of different commentaries. I don't know whether you have. I, in my study material, I don't know. I might have dozens of commentaries. Some are good. Some are not so good. Some I agree with. Some I don't agree with. Uh, because, of course, as soon as it varies in any way from what I know the scripture teaches. But my encouragement when it comes to doctrine is that I've, I've, I've said this to you before, but I'm going to say it again, okay? There are people that think they know what they know. They really don't know what they know, but they only think they know. They're the ones that talk off of the hat. They're the ones that talk like they really studied the Bible, but they haven't. They just think they know what they know. There's people that know what they're taught. Now, that's a good thing. It is a good thing. It, it, it's good to know what you're taught. But how about if your teacher or the thing that you're reading that's teaching you, the book, the video, the internet, whatever, what if it's wrong? But it's teaching you, is it not? Are you not taking it in? Okay, it, it's, it's, it's a teacher. You've got to be very careful. And, so, and then there's people that know what they know. And that's what I'd like to see each and every one of you come to know what you know. In other words, you can back it up, you know the scripture, you know the doctrine, you know the teaching, and you'll be sensitive to anything that comes in that is the spirit of truth. I mean, spirit of, <laughs> sorry, the spirit of error. You know the truth, and so when the spirit of error comes in, you recognize it right away. You might not even be able to put your finger on it. But the Holy Spirit in, inside of you, because you understand, because you've read the scripture, you'll just go and you'll say, there's something wrong with this. I need to study what is being said. I need to research the scripture. And then when you dig into the scripture, you'll find where it's wandering. That's all that the word error means, to wander from truth. It's just a wandering. It's, it's not you know, like this radical change. 
if I were to come to you and said, well, Jesus didn't really uh, die, he just swooned. You would go throw cans at me and stuff like that. You know, you'd go like that because you know that. See, that's so so directly wrong. People can recognize it, but the spirit of error has a picture of just wandering a little bit away from it. Be careful of the spirit of error. So we have the doctrines that are here, and it's the doctrines of God and His teaching and His Word, and and so I wanted to. Uh, just encourage you to just follow along with me. I'm, I've got all so many references here. Believe me, we'd, all we'd be doing is looking up references, and um, I don't want that. But if you would, go to Matthew. We'll, we'll start there. Matthew 7, 28. Matthew. And remember this, that this is just an introduction all of today. Matthew, morning, anyways. In Matthew 7 and verse 28. Say amen when you're there. Okay, two people there, three. I know I'm hard of hearing, but, uh, and it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at what? His doctrine. His doctrine, okay? His doctrine. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-three, we'll go there. Matthew twenty-two and thirty. Whoops, I'm one page over. And verse thirty-three, it says, "And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at what his doctrine." Now, whose doctrine is that? Who is it speaking of here? Christ, okay? You think he knew what he was talking about? Yeah. Would you call that the spirit of truth or the spirit of error? Spirit of truth, right? Yeah, we, we, would, we would readily see that. Do you understand that in Mark 1.22, Mark 4.2, Mark 11.18, Mark 12.38, Luke 4.32, John 7.16, and John 18.19 all call that his doctrine, repeated. His doctrine, okay? Christ is speaking. It is so different than what the Sadducees and the Pharisees and all the other uh, teachers that were there were teaching. They were astonished at it. They just, it just said, they just went back and said, whoa, you know, really. They, it was a magnificent change to them. But it was his doctrine. In um, in First Timothy six one, let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and what. His doctrine be not blasphemed. There is a teaching of the doctrine of God, his doctrine. There is a teaching of his doctrine, Christ, okay? Because do you think that Christ, God the Father, and the Spirit, like, have a meeting every morning to decide what they're going to do? No, they don't, okay? They're all knowing. They they are all powerful. They are God. And, and so they're... 
even though I, I'm trying to bring this point out, because sometimes, especially in the writings of, of Christ, when they highlight it in red, it's almost like, wait a second, there's a whole bunch of teaching of, that is spiritual from the Spirit of God, and there's a whole bunch of teaching that is from the Father aspect of God, all through the Old Testament that we are to take heed to. And a lot of times people diminish things. And, and I just want to point out to us that it is the doctrine of God, that is Christ speaking. And then in 1 Timothy 4.1, 1 Timothy 4.1, it says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And he, so we have what? The Spirit speaking expressly. It is a teaching that is spiritual, that the Holy Spirit is going and speaking through men and through people, but teaching it very clearly. And so what I'm, the whole point of this I'm trying to say is, is that this is God speaking, and it, sometimes it's coming through Christ, sometimes it's coming through the Father doctrine, sometimes it's coming through the Holy Spirit of God, but it's all of God. And it's important for us to heed. But in this next evening, I'm going to speak maybe several times, not, not here, but in the future, on just paying particular attention to what Christ taught. Okay? So I'm going to divide it into that type. Future events, when I come, when you need me here, you might get some other aspect of it. But tonight it's going to be just one of the teachings of Christ, okay, and his doctrine. Not to try to emphasize it above the others, but to try to show just that it's all the doctrine of God. And it's preserved here, right here, for us. These are not the words of men. This is holy men of God were moved by the Holy Ghost. It was, it was, it was given to them. They were moved. It was, it's almost like the... the Speaking of the wind, that they, that they went and they were moved along of God. And so we have the doctrines of Christ, doctrines of the Holy Spirit, doctrines of uh, God, so to speak, in this way. And in this time, Jesus repeated to those at this time to be very, very careful. So here's the disciples 2,000 years ago. And I'll make this point about disciples. When the Bible uses the term disciple, it does not say that they were saved. When you're a disciple of Christ in the New Testament, that doesn't automatically say that you're, that you're saved child of God. Be careful of that. Because we know in John 6.66, when he talked about his body and his blood, that it says that many of his disciples left him and were no, no longer follow him. So a disciple can mean a follower of Christ, but then again, it can be just a learner, someone that's listening. Don't lump it all together. Be discerning in your scripture study. And so in the time there, here's, here's Christ. Does he know all that's going on? He is filled with the Spirit of God. He did not use his own power, but through the Spirit, totally submitted to the Father and following after and he knew what was going on so many times we hear with mankind. He says, it says that he knew what was in their heart. 
when he discerned what they were thinking, when, when it came to him, when he understood it. And so in, this is something that he said. So go to Matthew 7, 28. Well, no, let's, let's go to John 7, 17 instead. I, I got too many verses here, and I don't want to... Uh, I'm in John 16, and I I'm, I'm need to go to number 7, don't I? John 7, 17. Well, I'll find it. I know it's here. And he says, if any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. It's an interesting statement. Understand that each one of these references, I would encourage you, if you're going to study this out, to read the context of it, okay? If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it is of God and whether I speak of myself. He was warning. There was people questioning him in its context, and he taught in the temple, and the Jews marveled, and they, they questioned all of his teaching. But he said, if they do the will of God, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God and whether I speak of myself. What is the will of God for us? You can talk back to me. It's okay. It isn't a test. You can, you can say what, it's okay. What is the will of God for us? What, what's the will of God for one, one thing, number one, for mankind? That they would what? They would be saved, right? Isn't that the will of God for mankind? Yeah, that they would be saved. But then as a saved believer, what is the will of God for your life? That you be transformed, right, into the image of his dear son, the transformation of us being more like Christ. That's the will of God. That's one of the will of, uh, I think it's a predominant will. You'll understand all the rest. And if you're doing the work of God, if you're doing as saints the will of God, you will understand and you will know what is from God and what is not. You're going to be sensitive. The Holy Spirit through the word of God is going to make you sensitive to false teaching and what is taught right and what is taught wrong. But it requires you to study to show thyself approved unto God. Does it not? A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. What is it? Rightly dividing the word of truth. In 1 John 4, 4 through 6 that we read, there's a spirit of truth and there's a spirit of, of, of error. But go there again because I'd like to just break this down just a minute. And because a lot of times as Christians, we're, we're getting, uh, we get led astray. First John 4. And it says here, ye are of God. Now, when, when I ask for te testimonies, everybody in here raised their hand. So you are of God. You're a child of God, are you not? You are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. Isn't that what we read already? And, and it says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he. Now, that's the, the things uh, that destroy or you, you've overcome all the obstacles and you do believe. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. They are of the world, therefore they speak of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us, and he that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. 
When you read your Bible, do you hear God speaking to you? Is it alive to you? Is there a communication that's going on with this? He's trying to tell us the difference between a lost person who might be a disciple or a learner and a saved one, okay? A saved disciple, someone that is quickened by the Spirit. The Word of God becomes alive to you. There is a communication that is happening. Now, what can hinder the born-again believer that, that he doesn't hear very much about the Word of God anymore? What, what is in it in the believer's life that will hinder him from hearing the still, small voice of the Lord? Anybody want to take a guess? It's called sin. It's sin. We grieve and quench the Spirit of God, and the working of God is diminished in our life. And so when we go to this and we study this, all of this was given during the first century Christians that were there. Some of them were the eyewitnesses to the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. They had firsthand knowledge of everything that was going on. And in 1 Corinthians 2.14... First Corinthians 2.14, it tells us, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, and they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So here, Paul, to the Corinthian church, he is really exhorting them and warning them and saying that this word, if you don't understand it, if it's foreign to you, if it makes no sense to you, that is because the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God is not there to help you understand the Scripture and put it in its, its proper place. Because it's the natural man that doesn't want to hear this. It's the natural man. I'm not talking about that you're going to read it once, okay, and you're going to understand it all. I'm not talking about that. That God reveals the Word of God through the Word of God to you based upon as he wants to grow you into Christ's likeness. Not according to what you want to do, but according to what he sees you need in your life. And he reveals, and it's a revealing book. I've been studying it for a few decades now. And, uh, and I have to say uh, that I'm still getting to understand it all. I'm still trying. I still want to know more and understand more about the workings of God and how he's working in my life and how to bring him honor and glory. And so this was done in his time. This was done to the Christians, to the leaders there. And so do you think it's still necessary for today? Do you think that we need to hear this over and over again? Do you think that the world might be having an influence on us, teaching us? leading us down a path of the spirit of error, wandering? Absolutely. Just as much as it was here. Because I believe the adversary right here in this time frame was very active with trying to destroy the word of God and its its publication, of course, for us in these later centuries. Very active. As a matter of fact, most corruptions of the Greek and Hebrew texts 
were made within the first century and a half after the death of Christ. Most corruptions, the first two centuries we can go, all the corrupting of the word of God was basically done at that time. We're talking about the text that, was, that we believe in, the received text. They were trying to destroy it. And so it continues on. Now, I know it's warm in here, and I'd like to slap my hands and we'll try to wake up because I've got to wake up too, uh, be sharp here. But all of these warnings, there's more of them. In 2 Timothy 3.16, Titus 1, 1.9, 2 Peter 1, 19 through 21, 2 Peter 3, 15, uh, 3, 15 and 16, and more and more than that, it's warning us over and over again about the spirit of error. Now, it doesn't use those terms, but the teaching of error wandering away from what is called doctrine. Doctrine. Teachings. And... So many people, I want to encourage you, if you're not studying something right now and trying to find out everything you can on a subject, get one. Get something that, you, that you're interested in, that the Holy Spirit leads you in. Uh, you know I've talked about alcohol consumption, and I've talked about other different things that I've studied through. And while I was studying and trying to find out everything I could on that subject, then the Lord would lead me in other ways as he, as he did, but it was a studying of it. It's not a casual reading. This is not a recreational book in the sense of I'm going to just read it to read it and, and, and oh, aren't this, isn't that a cute story? No, those are, those are God-preserved events that he has left in the Scripture so that you and I, when we read them, whether it be 4,000 years later, that they will have an impact on our life and a teaching that we can discern and we can grow by. It's not just a story. It's an event, and we need to study it and study it and understand it. And what can I learn from it? See, you know, uh, I really thought that the Sunday school teaching was good on prayer. Uh, that's a good subject for a lot of people. You can go and study out the, the, what, what the Bible says about prayer, and it, it'll be a challenge to you, and it will build you in the faith. There's so many things we can study. But even in his doctrine of Christ, which I'm going to talk about this evening, we have to understand that, that those things are put in there just not as a cute little tidbit of information, but they are there so that we would be able to apply that teaching to our life today. This isn't old fuddy-duddy stuff that is no longer applicable to us. It is something to discern. It's something to learn from, and especially the Old Testament. Man, I'm telling you, the Old Testament is just full of great people loving God and falling flat on their face. I mean... <laughs> Over and over and over again. And they love the Lord. I mean, thinking of how that God even describes some of these guys and women. And, and they ultimately did something so stupid, you were wondering, ah, what is going on? Well, all of that is for us to grasp. It's, they're examples to us. That we, through patience and faith of the scriptures, might have hope. That, that we would learn from them. All of those heroes, we call it, that are marred heroes. 
They're just people. And that's what one of the big lessons I've told you before that I had to learn. I used to get mad at them when I read at them, Elijah especially. I, honestly, I said, here he is doing all that, had all that power, and some woman writes him a note, and he runs away from her. That's what he did. I mean, come on, man. He just killed 450 prophets of Baal, and, and then a woman writes him a note, and he cuts and runs, man. <laughs> Long trip, too. Not just like 10 miles or anything. This is a, I mean, this was a journey. And, uh, <laughs> and anyways, I had a hard time with that until the Lord showed me I wasn't very much more powerful than that. It was a learning curve I had. I've, and then, you know, I, I, I would fault the Jews, right? Oh, man, if I, really, you know? Oh, man, if I was there, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> okay, right. Yeah, and then he showed me, yeah, you would have done the same thing. So anyways, we go on. So these are some of the things, the doctrines that are out there to get you to wander. That this has all been an intro. <laughs> no, these are some of the things that are out there in your Bible that are trying to get you to wander. What time is it? What time do you normally quit? Two? Did you say two? Oh, I thought, see, I have a hard time hearing. <laughs> okay, so I better hurry. There's the doctrine of men, Matthew 5, 19, uh, Matthew 16, 12. There's the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, doctrine of men are just some things that guys like to make up. They like to hodgepodge it. They're, they're thinking of men. It's a carnal thought. Uh, they like to try to mix uh, evolution with the Bible and different things like, you know, different mixtures of it. And you've got to be careful. They're just the doctrines of men. So if, uh, if somebody's speaking here and it can't be backed up in the scripture, then that is a doctrine of men. It's a doctrine of man. And I might have my opinion, and I have to say this. When I do say my opinion, I let you know it's my opinion. And you could take my opinion only as far as it agrees with Scripture. If it doesn't agree with Scripture, you can just chunk it out there. It's okay with me. It's just a teaching. And then there's the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. They were, they were quite a diverse group. The Pharisees were pointed out because they were very separatist but they were very works-based orientated, and they were, they were all works, and their righteousness was their hem of their garment, and how blue and how wide the hem of their garment was. It was all self-indulgent, and, and they were that way, and that's the doctrine of the Pharisees. But the Sadducees are the other end of the spe spectrum. They were so political correct and wanted to please the king and everything that they minimized the scripture to get along with people. In other words, if the scripture said separate from this, they would minimize that. And they were the Sadducees, and they were much like that. And then it even mentions the Herodians, and they were just plain wicked. And uh, so there's sound doctrine. How about in 1 Timothy 1.10? Go there quickly. If we'll go there quickly. I'll try to get there. Um, I think that my the grease from my hands um, has... Uh, discolored my Bible, and when I'm trying to get to certain places, I'm, I'm having some difficulty. In 1 Timothy 1.10, I'm hoping I did all this right, um, it says, for whoremongers 
and for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, for liars, for perjure person, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to what? Sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. So the sound doctrine is mentioned in 1 Timothy 1.10 and Titus 2.1. And he's telling these uh, pastors at this point, he's telling them to teach people sound doctrine and don't go off into doctrines that are, are not biblically based. Be very careful of that. You can ride a hobby horse and you can ride it to such a distance that it's no longer scriptural. You've got to be careful. Now, you can preach what is solid in scripture, what you can back up with scripture, but you've got to take that and be very careful how far you take it. There is sound doctrine, stay with it. In 1 Timothy 4.1, uh, I'll just read it if, if you're not there. And the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times um, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of what? Devils. Doctrines of devils. You don't think it's there? And everybody thinks, well, Halloween's coming, you know. Listen, I don't agree with Halloween at all. I don't. But the adversary is more subtle than that. The adversary first will get you to wander. Listen, if somebody came up to me and overtly faced me here, spirit within me and my knowledge of the scripture would reject that whether it be spiritual or not but they're seducing spirits a seduction is a wandering a seduction is a promise of something that you don't need and it wanders and your mind wanders and you go into it little by little until it grabs you and then has power over you doctrines of devils there in 1 Timothy 4, 6, we're close, so you can go there. If thou put uh, the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ and nourished up in the word of faith and of good doctrine. Good is well pleasing unto God, whereunto thou hast attained. There is good doctrine. There is God's doctrine in, in 1 Timothy 6, 1. It says his doctrine, we read that, it's God's doctrine. There's the doctrine uh, to or unto godliness in 1 Timothy 6.3. There is strange doctrine, strange. Now, you might be a stranger uh, on this earth, but you're not supposed to be teaching strange doctrine. And Hebrews, it's in Hebrews 13.9, and it goes here, be not carried away with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with great, not with meats, which have not profited them, that have not been occupied therein. And a lot of times what will happen in assemblies and, and against you to try to get you off into wandering over here is that there's all these strange doctrines. And it might be a touch-not-taste-not touch thing. It might be a conservative thing. It might be a liberal thing. It might be this. But what it's not is backed up in Scripture. It's a strange doctrine. Anything that's not in here is strange. It's, it's new. And there's not too much new in this world anymore. 
another, a lot of times people think about, you know, that things that are happening and doctrines that are being taught here that we repeatedly try to get, trip up the saints and everything that is there that it's like it was invented in our generation. Nah. All you got to do is study in past years and past millennia even. And even back further than that, it's been going on since the beginning of all sin. Doctrines of godliness, they're strange doctrines. There is the doctrine of Christ in 2 John 1, 9, and 10. But it's the doctrine of Christ spoken of as the teachings of who Christ was. In other words, it's the doctrines of Christ himself, okay, and what he accomplished on the cross. There's the doctrine of Christ. There is the doctrine of Balaam in Revelation 2.14, speaking of getting the believers to follow after fornication and other different things that is there. There's the doctrine of the Nicolaitans spoken of in Revelation. And that was power over the people. That's basically what it means. And it means uh, the Nicolaitans in uh, Revelation 2.15. And then there's the doc- this false doctrine that was allowed in the church of Thyatira. And they had Jezebel there. And they, if you, the teacher Jezebel. And they did not refrain a false teaching. I think a lot of times we'll send her on the word Je- Jezebel, but what she did, okay, the, the results of what she was doing. And what they were doing is letting false teaching and fleshliness into the assembly. Okay, that's study it out. And, and so you gotta, there's all these doctrines out there, and they're all out there to get you to wander away. And the only way that you're not going to wander, that you're not going to fall prey to these teachings, is know what you know. You have to study. You have to study. I like uh, study Bibles. I like many of the commentaries. I like books written about the Scripture. But I do not, I have to tell you this, I'm not faulting anybody else. Believe me, I'm just telling you for me. I can't, I don't go there anymore or very I read them, but I want to see what is balanced in the scripture. Because it's somebody's interpretation of it. And I believe the scripture speaks plainly for itself. Now, we need expounders. That's what I'm doing, right? We need the teachers. But what does the scripture say? And have it? does it have power in your life? Or... Because you know some of the teachings of it, you keep it on the shelf. I'm getting into heart motive here just for a minute. A lot of people know that if they study it, it's, they already know that God is, it's the doctrine of godliness. There's a holiness about it all. There's a separation. There's a division of things between the spirit and the flesh. In Second Timothy 4.3, We've read it, but I'd like to end there. See, I'm going to end on time. I know that you were doubting it. But um, in 2 Timothy 4.3, I'm in 1 Timothy. Let me go a little bit further. It says, for the time will come 
will, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. It's a, quite a phrase. And all it means is that the preacher, the teacher, will say what they want to hear. It says the time will come, and I have to tell you that it is here. Many saints, many saints, I believe they're born-again believers. They are going down a road of false teaching. And they are going because they're hearing some teacher that is bringing a strange or new doctrine. It usually very, I would say mostly, appeals to the flesh. It'll let fleshly things in the church in. It will not direct to the doctrine of holiness, which is to keep those things out of our own lives. And it will appeal to their greed and their lusts. So what are you following? All the rest has been teaching, and for this to be preaching, I have to bring it to a summation and a challenge. What do you follow? Are you following the plain teaching of the scripture? Or are you following the doctrines of men? Are you following after what the plain, as you study the word of God, and it doesn't happen through osmosis, you need to study it, you need to read it, you need to discern it, the spirit of God will help you. Who do you let teach you? Is the internet now teaching you? See, there's a lot of things going on in the internet, especially with this COVID thing, that are absolutely, now I'm not talking about the COVID information being false, I'm talking about the interpretation of the COVID thing that Christians are applying it improperly according to this. This is what, how we interpret the information even of our day and hour. This is how we apply it. We don't go off in this and this because of our, even our constitutional rights. May I say to you that this is more important, this is more powerful than our constitutional rights. This tells us how to behave ourselves even amongst COVID and, and because I don't want to go there because it's too, dis, it's too distracting to me. It's too distracting because I'm supposed to love my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm supposed to build them, edify them. I'm not supposed to condemn or straighten everybody out. I have a hard enough time keeping myself straight, let alone to straighten everybody out. So what do you follow? Who do you let teach you? They're all around us. All of those things are there to get you to wander. Be careful, my brother and sisters. Be careful. It's out there. And we'll find ourselves going off in a direction and not following the plain teachings of the scripture. So the question is, what about you? Of course, I've already challenged myself in this because I find that I can be influenced. I can be influenced with this. And sometimes I let something into my life that I know clearly that the scripture tells me no. And why did I compromise that? Well, I'm listening to something else. Oh, that's all oh, that poor thing, you know, or whatever it might be. Be careful. Be careful. Be 
Because even at this age, we can let things in that we shouldn't let in. If you would stand with me, please.